Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. I'm Pete Samson with Tim Priester and Tim O'Malley. We've got uh, all sorts of topics to hit today. Recruiting, the Army Bowl wrapped up, Notre Dame picked up a commitment. Uh, technically, Kavari Russell declared for the draft after our last podcast finished recording. We'll talk a little bit about Jalen Smith coming out of the surgery, and maybe a little bit of Irish hoops too. But uh, start with the most recent thing first, that's the Army Bowl. Notre Dame picked up Javon McKinley. Um, we both watched a bunch of tape on him. Overall, I think he's a, a, a really nice prospect. I think sometimes... There's a, a, a recency bias where you think everybody who just commits is the next yeah. Michael Floyd or the next Golden Tate, but I mean, I, I think he's got some. It's a it's a nice body type. It's got more of a, a stronger Equimania Saint, sort of a Saint Brown Miles Boykin combination, if you will. I, I think there's a lot of potential with Javon McKinley. I, I would love to see. You know, I, I see a lot of people talking about his catch radius. I would love to see him take greater advantage of that catch radius on a consistent basis. But there's a lot to work with there, and it's a kid, obviously, that's won in Notre Dame. You know, there was no great mystery, I don't think, in San Antonio about whether Javon McKinley was going to eventually pick Notre Dame, and he did. So, you know, add him to the list of, of receivers. They, they you know, all hands on deck. You, you lost the best receiver. You lost your number two receiver in Chris Brown as well, and so, so bring him into the equation. But I think there's a lot of upside with him that he hasn't really even tapped into yet. And there's kind of part of a new era for Notre Dame's receiving core. It's been two years of the same guys, and uh, a lot of those guys are gone. You know, Will, Will Fuller was the lead dog. Chris Brown became the number two two years in a row. This is going to be, we'll get to this, Corey Robinson's last year. People don't think of Amir Carlisle that much, but he's been involved for two years uh, as, a, as a part-time starter. And it, it's kind of the new era starts next year, and, and especially going into the future once Robinson and, and Torrey Hunter makes his decision. Yeah, so really, I mean, signing days. Less than a month away. Um, Notre Dame's sitting there. 22 commitments have room for at least three more. Um, not sure if they'll ultimately get to three more, but sort of that that roster math um, is a good segue in, into Corey Robinson because I think we sort of were dancing around it on our last podcast because it was a developing story at that point whether he was going to return uh, to Notre Dame as a football player in the fall or not. Uh, he'll graduate in May and was able to confirm through a source. Uh, that he, he'll be back and is going to play football for Notre Dame, whether he gets a Rhodes Scholarship or a Fulbright Scholarship or whatever academic opportunities are awaiting him or he wants to pursue. I mean, he's not he's not going to be a guy that's going to be playing in the NFL. He's going to be going pro in something more impressive than sports. Which I think you'll hear a lot about tonight at the championship game. A lot of the yeah. people involved yeah. in tonight's game will yeah. also be looking for Rhodes Scholarships <laughs> and Fulbright Scholarships, no, trying to figure it, out no. what they're going to do with their I, lives. I'm a little disappointed in Corey Robinson. He's, it's going to take him, you tell me it's going to take him three full years to get his undergraduate <laughs> Yeah, what's he been doing? Yeah, I, really thought, I, mean, I really thought that he was a guy that could get in two and a half years. But, you know, what a brilliant kid. And, you know, we kind of laugh about because he's got so many other interests in addition to football, and football, quite frankly, is just in that group of things that are very uh, interesting to him. But look, <laughs> the, 
they need them back. They need they yeah. need yeah. all the receivers yeah. back that they can get with with experience. It would be great if we could, you know, we'd see the more consistent Corey Robinson on a, on a weekly basis. But they need them back. I think yeah. oh, I was going to say like injuries wise last year. I think maybe we. For all the injuries we talked about with Notre Dame, I think we understated Corey Robinson's injuries. Probably. He had concussion. He had the, the knee that blocked up in warm-ups. I think it was against Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it, it he had impacted an ankle, him in the Clemson yeah, game he on the goal line. He had an ankle as well. Um, he had a lot going on physically that completely got overshadowed by massive catastrophic injuries, but he was banged up all year. So, I mean, just if you can get a healthy Corey Robinson that's like, okay, I am all in for this one last year. I'm focused on this because this this was, I don't want to say it weighed on him, his academics and, and what he wanted to do after the season, but it, it, this was something that had been bubbling up all year. So to, to come to a decision, I think you would think it would sort of free him up to be like, all right, I'm all in for this one last year and then I'm, I'm going to move on and do something else. And he's also wasn't counted on. He, he wasn't yeah. in a position to be where he had to be a guy. Chris Brown's a starter at his position. Will Fuller's clearly the best player. They had plenty of pieces you talk to Corey Robinson about him and where he needs to improve, and he talks about the group. It's one of those things where maybe he'll embrace being the leader. doesn't mean he's going to be the best wide receiver on the team, but he's he's the leader. He's certainly the respected leader. And I mean, yeah. I, I think it, it goes back to almost in Arizona when Matthias Farley said, once Nick Watkins was told he's the starter and he's the man, he all of a sudden was better in practice. And I think when Corey Robinson's the man, it's it, so to speak, he can he can probably be more consistent. You know, player. Torrey Hunter has to become a leader now. I mean, I'm looking at the, the depth chart that I carry with me from August through the season, and I mean, Torrey Hunter has to be that guy too. He doesn't have a ton of experience, but he does have some. I'm sure they're going to move him around a little yeah. bit. Z the Z position, he's he, you know he may be done with that position now as they. You know, need to, to fill the X spot that Will Fuller abandoned, and I'm not sure. I don't know about abandoned. Then he left, and uh, and there's like my underlying thoughts on Will yeah. Fuller leaving, yeah, so. right? Uh, I don't, I don't see <laughs> I don't see Corey Holmes, you know, emerging as a starter, even though he's been listed as number two. We're out of football practice at uh, um, down in Phoenix and uh, in Scottsdale, and uh, there's. There's Corey Holmes running second team, and it's it's kind of it's unusual to see because he's he wasn't really in that position. No, he wasn't. He didn't play this year, right? So he wasn't really second right. team. But it will, yeah, it's be very interesting. That's a depth chart that I'm fascinated to see how yeah. it shakes out in spring because you got Boykin coming live. St. Brown is he back from the shoulder surgery? You would think that he he would be. Um, Sanders probably you know they Sanders, do anticipate a bigger role in the ball do game. Think, do you, yeah, do you think Sanders starts in the slot and Hunter moves outside? I mean, how how does possibly, that all shake out? Probably I, you just don't really know. But there's a lot, I think they have some nice pieces there, yeah, but they're too. all unproven. Um, so we'll segue into guys who are going pro in sports. Kavari Russell declared for the draft a couple hours after our podcast last week. No surprise yeah. to to anyone. I mean, I I think I've been saying for months now. That I just felt like he needed he needed a change of scenery, and the staff knew it was going to go yeah. the whole the whole year. So this isn't this nothing to them either. I mean, he would be better to have back, but they, sure. they of course knew he was leaving. Same with Jalen Smith, mm-hmm. uh, who has not officially. But yeah, and J- Jalen Smith. It's if you haven't been sort of following a Sports Illustrator report on Thursday after the surgery that. Did, um, a source said that it went well and the nerve was was healthy. Um, that nerve damage was uh, a concern that had hit my radar um, a few days after the game and, and all last week. So nobody wanted to say that. Nobody wanted to use the scary, N word, the scary, nerve no, word. It's with... a scary term. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, that really that kind of freaks yeah. you out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just it. 
Well, people, you just wish him the best that hopefully is a, a speedy recovery. People in Jalen uh, Smith's camp were very, very concerned about the, the nerve damage, the possibility. And I don't know that we can necessarily eliminate that from from the thought process here. But, you know, great. It certainly doesn't hurt. Great athlete, a guy that, you know, you, you who's going to bounce back from major knee surgery better than a Jalen Smith? I mean, you just kind of a, assume that will happen. But it is definitely going to be a long process and, you know, I mean, whether I think Pete, you said it the best. I mean, you can stay in school and make no money and not play football, or you can turn pro and rehab, making a lot of money, right. uh, even though you're not going to be able to play next season. So, I mean, certainly everybody, anybody that's spent a second with Jalen Smith, it's heartbreaking to see what he, yeah. what you know, what he went through on that day and what he's going to have to go through here. But it's good to hear that the prognosis, at least initially, is good. Although, as Greg Gabriel said, as we were talking about. Um, you know, Notre Dame's NFL prospects, he's never known a doctor. Daniel Cooper, I believe, is the Cowboys uh, yeah, doctor Cowboys that did the surgery. You've never heard a doctor come out and say, oh, boy, that didn't go very well. I don't know how we're going <laughs> to. That's true. It's, all, yeah. it's always it's a success, work, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, what happens the next few months will be key, obviously. It's like a head coach after a week of practice. They never say, yeah, I had a really bad week of practice going into this game. It's going to be tough. I don't know what we're going to do. So. Yeah, <laughs> no question. <laughs> well, let's wrap, wrap up segment one with something a little different. Notre Dame basketball, which I don't think we've really addressed a whole lot this year. Uh, very sort of. Odd loss to Pittsburgh over the weekend. Pittsburgh jumped over on them. They're up 13-0. Notre Dame comes all the way back. Has a chance to really extend the game at the end. Matt Ryan misses the three. Um, they go down, and I think it's, you know, I was talking to somebody around the program over the weekend, and they're just like, look, we're in a position where just, it's like we're playing a bunch of one-game seasons now. Yeah. Uh, and they, you know, they just want to... If they can get into the play-in game and go to Dayton, I think at this point they would almost take that. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. I'm gonna. What kind of ACC record does would they need to do that? I mean, it's at least ten and eight. It's ten and eight. There was two ten and eight teams last year in the ACC. It was Miami and NC State. NC State got in. Miami didn't. But if you recall. Miami was kind of wound. they were kind of dying at the end of last year. Remember they started so well, and then Notre Dame ran them off the court. They finished ten and eight, but they didn't seem like they were ten and eight. And Notre Dame beat them in the first round or whatever that was. Well, that means Notre Dame needs to go nine and six the rest of the way. Yeah. And it's a, but but again, that's too it's too big of a picture. Yeah. It it, do, it really does have to be. I mean, they've got Georgia Tech uh, Wednesday night at nine o'clock. Georgia Tech coming off the big win over Virginia, which is probably a break for Notre Dame. You assume that they can't go to Duke and and win over the weekend, and then you go back to the one game season again next week with a couple of Virginia home Tech. games, Virginia so you Tech could, and you Boston could, College at home. So. You can emerge four and three from yeah. a bad start, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and you've gotten rid of the two hardest games on your schedule at Virginia and at Duke. So yeah. that's fine. You should be five and two, not four and three. But you know you've already gotten rid of Virginia Tech, or excuse me, Virginia and Duke, two road games that they weren't going to win. Mm-hmm. They've dropped one game in conference play that. Pitt's good, but they have to beat Pitt at home because you're going to lose road games. Yeah, and see the like, yeah. tournament teams win games at home. Exactly. And they're against other good teams. The yeah. question came up after the game the other night, and it's a legitimate question. Whose defense is worse, Notre Dame football out of the game or Notre Dame basketball out of the yeah. game? Because they're both – I mean, they've both been haunted by yeah. that, and, and Notre Dame basketball's definitely being haunted by that right now. I touch on that uh, in a column coming up this morning, and I add a third entity, so I'll let people read that on irishillustrated.com. <laughs> If you like words. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, Notre Dame hoops. Bit of a, it's going to be a grind this season. They're, um, I think we've gotten, so, like, even when they're not great, they still play really appealing basketball. Yeah, they and, do. And this, this is a team that 
you feel like it's not. They're quite still. All I know they're there. still capable, and we saw it a little sure. bit against BC, but BC stinks. It, as I said <laughs> on the post game, they are they are really, really bad. So that was no measuring stick whatsoever. It's such a, you know, it's such a fragile program, and it kind of always is, even when they're good. And it's kind of an an, an atmosphere that Mike Bray creates because because he consistently talks about the men on the other team. <laughs> And just you know, getting through the next game, and I, he does kind of create that atmosphere, and then it's especially noticeable when they really are fragile, like they are right now. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't like hearing you know maybe we haven't lost two in a row, maybe that's who we are. Win one, lose one. That's not going to do it, and it, that might be who they are. I'm not saying he's yeah. wrong, but <laughs> the expectations have dropped so much. Yeah, and I know they lost the two best players of the last. I mean, they lost the best player of the Bray era and the best role player in the history of the program. And it's hard to overcome that, but you can't lower your expectations that yeah. much. They have five legitimate guys that made a run last year. Well, I'm surprised yeah. that the naming of uh, Steve Vestoria was not more inspiring to the basketball team. He played, I'm kidding, he played well though. He's, he did play well. He did play well. They've got a lot of good players. They do yeah. have some, some good individual players there. They are, Lacking chemistry right now, right. which they had an abundance of last year. Yeah, no question. All right, well, that's it for segment one on Irish Illustrated Insider. We've got a bunch of questions for our readers next, so we'll tackle all that on segment two. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Segment two of our podcast, Burning Up the Boards. Our first is from Wash ND. With Jalen Smith and Joe Schmidt leaving and Tavon Coney injured, who will be getting first-team reps at Mike and Will this spring? Niles Morgan won't be a young player anymore. so it's <laughs> He's Niles, an upperclassman. Yeah, Niles Morgan will be your starting Mike linebacker. Um, the Will, I, do they go Greer Martinez? I think you have to. Do you put Asmar Bilal out there and see what you got? I I would be more inclined to stick Bilal out there and see what you have. Um, it's spring practice. The coaches seem really confident in Greer Martinez's understanding yeah. of the defense and how it all fits together. So I, you know, rotate those two guys, but I, I think you have to give Bilal a look with the starting defense in spring practice to see if he's at a minimum find out if he could be a next man in for you in the fall. Josh Barajas is he definitely stay outside? I, I think he has the capability of yeah. being inside. Yeah, you know, and that's the great thing about spring and speculating about spring as it comes up that those are all uh, possibilities for them. But I do think Greer Martini. <laughs> Does, doesn't Greer Martini have to be on the field for Notre Dame next fall in terms of brains of the operation? And <laughs> he needs someone to call the defense, and, right? There's yeah, a and I mean, in instincts. <laughs> I mean, I think when when he was on the field this year, you saw him. It look when I watch Greer Martini play, I think, okay, he's been in the film room this week and he really has a good idea what the tendencies of the opponent are. Are we gonna get? Are we gonna get the Joe Schmidt? Because I mean, he's not physically. He's Superior to Joe Schmidt in terms of stature and what have you, but are we going to get the same stuff that we got before Greer Martini ends up starting? I mean, if, if it's if, the same defense, then yes, it, yeah, <laughs> we are. And the, and the unfortunate thing is, Greer Martini can back up all three positions, and he can start at will. But I agree with Pete that you got to see what you have in Bilal. Martini can back up Mike, Will, and Sam all year and play a role, or you can start him at will. But I'd like to see. If Bilal can handle it, because they, they the athletic loss they have yeah. at the will right now. Mm-hmm. I know they've gotten much better athletically at the mic. Um, yeah, I, I think Martini's such a valuable player. I don't 
put them out there in the spring, give them every will rep. That doesn't make sense. No, it's like if you're starting linebackers next year at Texas are Asmer Bilal, James Onowalu, and Niles Morgan. That is a really athletic group. And you have I mean, a great number terms, four. Yeah, a backup as a yeah. backup, great. In yeah. terms of your your top three guys across the board, as a really inexperienced group, it's a really athletic group. Yeah, I bet you. I, oh, yeah, I no, you're you, right. I bet you Martini's starting next yeah. year. I, I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be nice if you could, at the very least, whoever that fourth guy is, rotate in. But they don't, you know, they don't normally do it yeah. that way. But uh, it'll be fun. One of the, one of the things to to speculate about in February and March, and then and when it then we've had. 15, Are you going to list all the other months? Yeah, and then we've had fifteen. <laughs> pra- well, I'm about to yeah, because then you've had fifteen practices. And now we're in June and July, and we're speculating about then. So, is it June or July or August where we find out Greer Martini is looking so good at the mic that he might start instead of I, his oh classmate? God. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, remember Greer Martini? It's going to be the final training camp. Yes. Press conference. Brian Kelly's going to get up there and tell us that Greer Martini is starting. <laughs> remember? I mean, remember when Martini played against USC at the end of two thousand? Uh, Hey, productive football 14, player. He and is, then, yes. Right, and then, but then he got physically overwhelmed yeah, in a, in a physical position. That's why so. I like him as a backup at all three. Yeah, that's and great. I think I think he's a much I think he's a better much better football player now. He's bigger, stronger. Yeah. He's got good size. He does really have the dimensions of of a of a major college linebacker. No question. Irish more five. What four players do you predict will make up the starting secondary in twenty sixteen? Five, if you want to include the nickel. If Sean Crawford had played all year, I would just plug him in at one of the corner spots. But I think they, I could see them bringing him back as the nickel again, which means what's I will. It, what's the nickel defense? <laughs> they used to use. It's that. where you usually put Carlo Calabrese or Drew uh, yeah, Martini as your extra linebacker to cover wide receivers in the slot. But uh, I would go right now with Nick Watkins and Cole Luke as your corners. Sean Crawford as your nickel. And Drew Tranquil at strong and Max Redfield at free safety. I agree. Um, and I think you have a Watkins versus, this is what I think will happen, Watkins versus Butler spring, and they're going to put Coleman behind Luke, which is unfortunate for Coleman. Coleman. But you need to have guys getting second team reps at yeah. both spots. I mean, I tend to agree with what you're saying there. I, I guess, I mean, I, we don't have any substantial evidence to think that Max Redfield won't be back. Right. And yet... They need I mean, him. I don't, they need him. Well, I know, That's I know the they do, but I mean, I, I, I think that it's still somewhat up in the air where where Max Redfield's standing is yeah. within this program. But yeah, they do need his experience. Don't tell me they need his playmaking I was just ability say, because <laughs> because he hasn't made a lot of plays. But uh, you you sure would like it. You would at the very least you'd like the best version of Max Redfield that you've seen in four years right, and you have a right. fighting chance. Yeah, I think just look, having a nickel if you can have healthy corners, um, that would be an upgrade over what they had this year. I'm curious to see but Kelty Williams and Sean Crawford are both really interesting to me. I don't know where Crawford's going to be medically. Yeah, um, yeah. But, spring, I, yeah. but I feel like McKelty Williams, in the, in the same way that Asmer Bilal, or a similar way at least, needs to get some first team reps just to see what you have. I think in the spring, it's like Kelty Williams, throw him out there and see what yeah, he got. Yeah, I agree. Cool. I, I liked him coming out of high school. Now you've got, I mean, you've got a ton of really nice prospects coming in. 
um, with the the class, including two that are early enrollees yeah, in Perry and Studstill. Yeah, Perry, Spencer Perry and Darren Studstill yeah. are already here. And yeah. for the spring, Tranquil's not full go, so you're going to get no. to see these guys in the spring because yeah. he's he'll be. Brian Kelly say he's full go, but he won't take contact because it's ridiculous for him to take contact. There's no point at all as he comes on as mm-hmm. a second injury. But I put this up, and I talked to Pete about this stat. So he tracked third down wins this year, which is kind of self-explanatory. If you make a play to stop a third down gain for a first down, I give you credit. Jalen Smith led the team. Sheldon Day was second. Makes sense. Drew Tranquil, five. Played 2.5 games. Max Redfield, five. Played 12 games. Elijah Shoemate, five. Played wow. 13 games. Wow. Productive football player. Yeah, so Tranquil. Productive football Come back player. healthy. Let's see. Stay healthy. Yeah. Be nice. <laughs> Blue chip man. If Kelly, Brian Kelly retains Brian Van Gorder and the defense struggles in 2016 due to the same problems of 2015, should Kelly be shown the door after stubbornly rolling the dice with BBG for a third straight year and undermining another season's potential? No. I don't think he should be shown the door either, but he should maybe be asked to uh, roll out another... Yeah, there. yeah I, mean, I mean, at some point, you we, can't just have the three worst defenses in Notre Dame history and say, ah, fine, the year four, be good. Yeah, right? we can't. I, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and the worst defense in the history of the program two years ago, and this year, the Achilles heel was the defense. Brian Kelly doesn't fire assistants. You know, I, 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 I covered Notre Dame in an era where Lou Holtz was waiting to pull the trigger on assistant coaches. <laughs> he couldn't wait till the season ended to fire a guy. Brian Kelly won't fire anybody. He would have fired Van Gorder midway through the stand. Oh, game. my God. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. He would have. 1988 champs. What can Notre Dame basketball do to improve enough to make the NCAA tournament? Because, honestly, that's all that matters. Uh, boy, they got a long way to go. I mean, first and foremost, I just think that they have to – they got to grow up and, and mature. And, and I, the you know, players were, yeah. were pretty – Yeah, I mean, I, and I thought, I, thought, I thought Demetrius Jackson's comments after the game were pretty darn pointed. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we, we've got to grow up. He talked about being tougher and, and, you know, not allowing the penetration in the lane. I mean, and he was really kind of talking about Notre Dame's big men. Notre Dame's, you know, front line had to be tougher. So it was interesting. I think it was a little bit of frustration on his part. Uh, you know, and he had he had a heck of a game. He got in the role with the, the, the three-pointers. And as I said before the first break, they have good individual parts, yeah. but their chemistry right now – it's not very good. They don't. They, their their depth is that, that's an that's a Mike Bray Achilles heel. He he rarely develops quality depth. Man, they're going to get pounded up front at times as they go through this ACC schedule. There's no easy answer, but first and foremost, they need some chemistry and and they need some moxie on the defensive end of the court. I agree, chemistry is number one. But number two, if you said, you mentioned the individual pieces, you saw what Jackson can do. That was Jackson at his best at times in that game. I mean, you know, you're not a perfect player. He was he had a great mm-hmm. game. Well, every one of those five starters can can take over a game in spurts. Vastoria, great second half. Bonzi Colson, you know, he got murdered early defensively, but he was six of nine again. He's shooting like sixty five percent the last ten games. Beecham is what he is, good shooter, and he can weak side rebound. Zach August can be much better than he's been, or he has to be. And you talk yeah. about getting pounded inside. Why are they getting pounded inside with a senior? Three-year starter. And they have no presence at the rim defensively yeah, with not, Zach which, August. Despite him being a nice presence. Yeah. Like, you look at him, like, this guy's pretty impressive. And he's athletic and they, they do not have a presence at the rim defensively to block shots. 
in, in some ways, Bonzi Colson is a better presence of the rim yeah. defensively than Zach Auger. Well, he's always putting a body on people. And you and I were talking about during the Pittsburgh game the other night that Beecham's done a good job of defensive rebounding about five a game. But Beecham never gets a body on anybody. Yes. He just rebounds. And that was the thing with Conadin. Even if Conadin didn't come up with a rebound, you knew he was going to get a body on somebody. And that that's just that has a cumulative effect on your on your team, on your defense, on your rebounding, on everything that you do. They're small at power forward with Colson, but he makes up for it. They're small at small. They're not small, but they're slight at small forward with Beecham, and he's not quite making up for it. You can't be small with Zach August when he's six ten, two fifty five, athletic, and capable of scoring twenty on Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's just the way it is. He's got to be better, and they can't play the worst defense in the country. That would be and it, it's to... it's killing them that. You know, now you're into the second year. Mark, Martin Gevin, I mean, the guy that I saw in high yeah. school film, I swear that's a different human being because I thought that there was something there to offer and they can't even get him on the court. And, no. of course, Austin Burgett, who, you know, Mike Brabe talked about trying to get him in. He just, they can't. I mean, they just don't have depth up front. I was trying to figure out why Burgett doesn't get in, and I think it might be the same as Beecham. Doesn't put a chest in anybody. So you might as well go with Beecham's a- shot. You know, well, that's true, and that court, was a, when you know? when Burgett was, well, I mean, seriously considered yeah. in the rotation a couple of years ago. That was the complaint that yeah. he didn't get a body on somebody, and you can't rebound consistently in conference play unless you're getting a body on someone. All right, last question: CPU fifteen with Javon McKinley now committed. The remaining prospects all seem to be a coin flip for Notre Dame. What do you think can happen in recruiting? Who are the one or two players that you feel best about eventually signing with the Irish? We uh, turn that question back to somebody that <laughs> uh, we know better than... I mean, Jonathan Jones, Mike Linebacker out of Orlando, I would say he would be probably number one on my list at this point. Um, I also feel like they're in great shape with Jeffrey McCulloch, the, you know, sort of a, a versatile linebacker out of the Houston area. So the, those two guys come to the forefront. Damian Alloway, he's kind of in that coin flip group, and... Like some some people have been asking about, well, you know, does Notre Dame still go after them? He's sort of he's a, essentially been a silent commitment to Notre Dame and UCLA. That could turn off a bunch of schools. Um, they just don't want to deal with that. Brian Kelly really likes this kid and sort of made him a personal. We're going after this guy. Just keep working, keep grinding on him because they. And now you look at Notre Dame's slot receiver position. It went from an abundance of options to maybe limited options if Torrey Hunter moves to another position. So. Uh, Alloway would still be high up the list, but there really are not a whole lot of guys. I mean, they're done in the secondary, save Jordan Fuller, who I don't feel like they're going to get. Caleb Kelly, if I had to pick today, I would still say Oklahoma. Um, so here they're sitting here at 22. If, if they end up with two of Alloway, Jones, and McCulloch, I think they would they would feel pretty, pretty good, good about the way they closed out, and that would be 24 commitments. Jones seems like a position of need for 2018, too, because we talked about Morgan and Martini. Who's yeah. the other Mike right now? I mean, unless you're moving Coney over there eventually. Oh, Barajas, Barajas. So, yeah, you need to. It's probably something yeah, for the future. Of, fill in. of that group, though, yeah. and, and obviously Caleb Kelly yeah. has a great future, but I love, I really like McCulloch. I think that that yeah. is a physical. That's a guy that can change the, the physicality of the game. That's a guy that can, when he hits somebody, it's a little bit more physical yeah. than other guys. And I, and I really like Caleb Kelly's going to be an outstanding college player. Yeah. But if you said, well, you can only have one of the two, I think I'd take McCulloch okay. just because he uh, because I think he can impact a game that much. I really like. I mean, I, I like <laughs> Kelly is almost he's he's numbers to numbers where I feel like McCulloch is maybe more like no, hash true. mark to hash no, mark. No, that's true. I mean, I, I, and I you, you know how I feel when people start comparing people to 
Oh, he's the next Jalen Smith. Give right. me a break. There's only one Jalen Smith. But I, I know why they say that about Caleb Kelly, because he yeah. can he can follow a receiver down the field. Yes. Not as well as Jalen Smith. No. But he's a guy that plays uh, over a bigger expanse of the football field. Yeah. Well, Notre Dame's sitting here, 22 commitments. We'll, we're going to do weekly podcasts up until National Signing Day, and then we'll come back the day after Signing Day on that Thursday and sort of wrap up the recruiting class to see how things wrapped up. But right now, I mean, Notre Dame sitting on the scout dot com rankings in the top ten. They're at number seven right now. Really good chance to finish with a top ten haul, although the teams behind them all have more space in their class. So I'll be curious to see how that shakes out. But uh should be an interesting next month for Notre Dame. What happens with Jalen Smith, what happens with the coaching staff, and certainly what happens with the recruiting class. So we'll do our weekly podcast up until National Signing Day. Uh, so that's another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider in the Books. He's Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. Thanks for listening. Thank you.